here. I'm glad that you're here. And I can't think of anybody better to instruct us in God's word this weekend than my good friend, Tony Clark. He is my brother from another mother. (laughs) Obviously, we have different mothers. But we have the same father. Amen. Amen. And I... And I love this man. I've known him for 30 years, and he, he both, both he and I kind of, you know, when we started our churches, it's trial and error, trust in Jesus, and he has helped us, and I've had the privilege of speaking at his church. In fact, I was, I was the last one to speak at his church before it got shut down for COVID. I feel responsible in some way. <laughs> I really do, but a great fellowship he has there in Newport News, and uh, before being a pastor, he served in the United States Marine. Yeah, there you go, there you go. You're among friends here tonight, you're among friends. So I'm happy that he's come and with his son Eric, and they've traveled here, uh, took him five hours to get here, so God bless you, Tony, love you, my brother, the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Newport News, come on up, brother, and teach <laughs> A podium? There a podium? Yeah. All right, we got podium people. Got a podium? Podium? Some kind of podium? God bless you. I use the The keyboard. People should have something. (laughs) Preach from the keyboard or something. You know. (laughs) Here, I just my back. Go ahead. Put right on my back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get you one. Okay. All right. God bless you, man, and um, I am honored to be here, Pastor Gary. God bless you. Um, I, I never take it for granted the doors that God has uh, opened. Oh, thank you. Uh, has opened uh, for me to, um, you know, share uh, around the country. And I'm just very thankful to be here. I talk about you guys uh, every chance I get. Um, and um, I'm just so thankful each time that I've had the opportunity to come and to share it's been a tremendous blessing. I go back and brag on you guys and um, and brag about the church. And uh, matter of fact, there was a, a one couple from our church. Uh, they said, have you? We're about to move to D.C., got another job. Have you heard of a church called Cornerstone? I said, well, take a minute, sit, take a load off so I can share about this church. And, and so they're going to be joining you guys and... Um, uh, they're excited. They've already come to a, a service and they're just uh, thrilled to be there. I said, you're going to be loved on and you're going to be fed the word of God. And so your pastor has been doing it for 30 years now. Just a tremendous uh, blessing. Many of you have come to Christ, have grown uh, as a result of being at this great church. And so um, I was just blown away at how many of you this is your first retreat. I was really blown away by that. And um, God bless you. Thank you for taking time out of your uh, Friday and um, and part of Saturday uh, to come and to be here. It's a tremendous blessing for you taking time, you know, to do that. So um, like uh, Pastor Gary said, I got my youngest son, Eric, with me. He's been my road dog since he, he came out of the womb. And so <laughs> I'm just thankful that uh, he is here and. Uh, as I mentioned before, very gifted musician and getting 
his music is now starting to get heard uh, around. And so we're just thankful for those opportunities. Also, we have a few of the guys from our church that drove up the five hours. You know, we got Pastor David, Pastor Otis. Uh, we got Raymond, our administrative assistant at, at the church. And we got Leron here. God bless you, Leron. God bless you. And so they came up. And um, and I'm just so thankful. We just (laughs) we just hit the road uh, not that long ago. Matter of fact, the first part of October, uh, I was speaking uh, down in uh, Lexington, South Carolina, and and we hit the road down that way now coming up this way. And so uh, we're honored, so honored to be here. So saying that many of you heard tacos and so you want me to, (laughs) you know, hurry up and get done. So. Some catered tacos, good grief. And so I think it was Michelle who was telling me about the tacos before, uh, beforehand. I said, you guys know how to do it right. <laughs> and so I said, I'm going to be taking some notes and, you know. So, um, but yeah, so really honored and blessed uh, to be here. Looking forward to also um, tomorrow and then uh, God's will at the church. So make sure that that little sound reminded me. Make sure you check your phones and put it on silent. So I don't want to have to call you out in the middle of the (laughs) message because I will, you know, and it's all in love. So it's all in love, you know, but I will call you out. You know, I'm working on that. See, I'm still a work in progress, just like. You know, I had five hours to come up here, so I'm still, I don't know if I'm saved all the way yet. So I just want to just check, just in case, and watch somebody's phone go off. Somebody's phone will go off, and then I'm going to have to say something. You know, last time somebody's phone go off, I just said, let me answer it. I said, let me answer it. And just say, they're in church. All right. God bless you. Turn with me in your Bibles to first Samuel chapter 24. I want to talk to us this weekend um, about a great man named David. Many of you, you know, you're well taught. So, you you know, many of these stories. But I, I wanted us to, you know, talk about David because David is the only one in the Bible that God said he was a man after my own heart. It wasn't like David said that about himself or it wasn't like, you know, the people around him, you know, David is a man after God's own heart. No, 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 no. This is what God had to say. He wasn't perfect. That's why I wanted to talk to us about him. There's some things in his life, the good, bad and the ugly. We all know the 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 good and the, you know, the Goliath. And, you know, that dude was a man's man. I love this guy, David. I mean, he just went and, and just took Goliath out, chopped, took his own sword, and chopped his head and walked around with his head. That was a bad dude. I like that guy. And so, you know, th- there are some things about him that I really want us to see and really want us to talk about some great attributes that don't normally get talked about. Like I said, we hear about the Goliath and we hear about Second uh, Samuel 10 and 11, the adultery. We hear about those things and we and, and we know about those things. But there are some other areas about David that I want us as men uh, to learn from and to learn about. So. First Samuel 24, we're going to overview this chapter. And Father, we do thank you. We thank you for this time you've allowed for us to be here. 
Lord, thank you that you've given us your word to lead us, to guide us, direct us, to reprove, rebuke us. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear what you're going to say. Give us a will to want to obey your word. Lord, thank you for these, your men. Lord, build us up in the most holy faith in Jesus name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 24. And the title of this message is sensitivity to the spirit, sensitivity to the spirit. Now, today, everyone is so sensitive to everyone's feelings. Uh, No one wants to boldly speak the truth anymore in fear of offending someone's sensitive feelings. However, it is okay to offend Christians and to say offensive things about Christianity. But what about us being sensitive to the Holy Spirit? In John 16, verse 13, if you're taking notes, it said that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. John 16, verse 8 says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And we will see this in the life of David. David had a sensitivity. I'm I'm, I'm laying the groundwork of why God would even say that David was a man after his own heart, because he had a sensitivity to God that we're going to see in these verses that we want to emulate. We want to be like we want that same type of sensitivity. Look what it says there in verses one to three. It says, now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And then Saul took 3000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Now, in these verses, we see after Saul went back to fight with the Philistines that he heard had invaded Israel in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 27. Now, King Saul came back to pursue David. He heard in verse one that uh, he is now in the wilderness of En Gedi. And this time he brought 3000 chosen men in verse two to seek David in the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the cave in verse three where he uh, had to attend to his needs. In other words, he had to use the restroom. The law of Moses was very strict concerning where you would do number two. And you had to have a shovel and you had to bury it according to Deuteronomy 23 and verses 12 through 14. So he saw, saw this cave and went in to relieve himself. However, he didn't know that this was the cave that David and his men were hiding. Uh, Let's see what happened next. Look at verses four through seven. It says, then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord has said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. 
Now it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Now, these verses are so critical and they give us the heart of David. I, I believe that this was a test by God for David. Uh, it is as if God was saying, what, would you, what are you going to do, David? If I delivered your enemy into your hands, will you kill him or will you allow for me to deal with him? Because we as humans, all of us are going to have uh, enemies. Oh, Jesus even had them just in case you were wondering. Jesus had his enemies, too. So who are we not to have our enemies? People who are either at odds with us or we with them. The real question is, how will you react when it looks like God delivered them into your hands? Will you seek revenge? Let's see how David dealt with his enemy. Notice how the man in verse four said to David, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seemed good for you to do. Now, the question is, when did God say this? Some scholars surmise that God, uh, you know, said this through some select verses, but there is no verse where God said these things because it is suggesting that David get revenge, something the Bible tells us not to do in Romans 12 and verse 18. What the Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And this is why I believe that this was a test. What did David do? Well, the robe Saul took off to relieve himself. David arose and secretly cut off a corner of it. Oh, we need to be very careful of the advice we are giving people and attaching God's name to it. We need to be very careful. The Lord never said this, and because it sounded so logical, it sounded so sensible, David went and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now watch this. If this was really of the Lord, then why did David have to secretly cut off a corner of his robe? If it was so much of the Lord. Uh, Luke 8 verse 17 says the there is nothing secret that will not be revealed and, and 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 nor anything hidden that will not be known or come to light. David would have not done this secretly if it was truly of the Lord. Oh, we have to hear this because David will later say in Psalm 19 and verse 12, he said, Lord, cleanse me from secret faults. Now, we all know that today we we all have secret faults. There are secret faults of lust and secret faults of of unforgiveness, secret faults of bitterness. 
We have secret faults and we as men, we are stimulated. God made us this way. We're stimulated by what we see. And and we have an entire world on our little device where we can just go and secretly look at whatever we want to look at. And we all struggle. We, We all have secret faults that we don't want anyone to know about. This is why David said, cleanse me from secret faults. That girl that's at the job that you secretly kind of flirting with. This is why it says cleanse me from secret faults. And just in case you think that this is just something for the young men to, to worry about. David was 50 years old when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. So young men, it doesn't get any better the older you get. It doesn't. You know, me and Pastor Gary, we, 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 we're, we're marching towards 60. It doesn't get any better for us. We still like a, a, a woman just like everybody else. And this is why we need cleansing from those secret faults. If this thing was really of the Lord, then why did he have to cut it off secretly? See, it was a test to see whether David was going to pass it or not, whether he was going to take matters into his own hands, whether he was going to say, you know what? I am sick and tired of Saul chasing me, hunting me down like a bloodhound. I'm tired of it. Let me take this guy out and end this madness. Well, he he didn't do that. Now, to show you that this was not of God, notice how verse 5 says, David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. If it was of God, then why did his heart bother him? Why did his heart trouble him? See, look how sensitive David's heart was to God and his spirit. So often God will test us with what we thought was a blessing. But when we take the bait, we will see that it was not good at all for us to do it. See, what we fail to realize is God's testings and Satan's temptings are two sides of the same coin. God was using this as a test to strengthen David's faith. Satan will flip it and use it as a temptation to take David away from God. The same thing happens to us. God tests us. He doesn't tempt us. Wherever you you learned, if you're going through the book of James with with your pastor, in James 1, it says God doesn't tempt us with evil, neither does he tempt any man. He doesn't tempt us. That's Satan's job. God tests us and it's always to draw us to him. It is always to strengthen our faith. Satan tempts us and it's always to take us away from God, pull us away from him and cause us to fall. That's always the case. Always the case. So when David cut his robe, you have to understand this was very significant. It's easy to say, ah, you know, why do you? And why he cut his robe, 
You know, what, what was the big deal with that? He could have cut a little piece of his robe. He could have, he could have did something else. Why did he take it and cut it, could, took the crown or something? You know what? Why he cut off his robe? Oh, it's very significant in this particular time. He was saying by cutting the robe, in essence, all of Saul's power, authority, and rights were given to him. And this is why David's heart, his heart troubled him, because he was, in essence, taking matters into his own hands. Yes, he was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel, but it would be fulfilled in God's timing. David, not your own. He was, in a sense, grabbing for Saul's position, something he should have never done. And this is why his heart was troubling him. Men, wait on the Lord, like David would say in Psalm 27, verse 14. God will exalt you in due season, like 1 Peter 5, 6 says. Waiting is one of the hardest areas we struggle with. I don't like to wait. I don't I don't like to wait. This is why we left our house at about mm, 10 o'clock in the morning, because I didn't want to have to deal too much with that D.C. traffic. Sitting in that traffic, I don't know how y'all do it. I mean, I know many of y'all got back roads, y'all go, you don't need, I don't even get on the 95. I got to take that road and do the one and just whip it on the round around here and get it. And, and I know. We don't know the one and to flip it on around. We don't know those roads. So we just got to go up to 95 and just stuck. 495 and then Tyson Corner and you're just sitting there like this. <laughs> just, just horrible. Terrible. I come up and I'm in the flesh now. <laughs> we don't like to wait. We get impatient. And when we get impatient, watch this. We end up getting ahead of God and we secretly watch this cut off the corner of someone's robe whose position we want and we secretly do it. But the real question is, does our heart trouble us when we do it? If not, then there, that is a problem. If you're thinking that you deserve that position or my boss or that leader and that officer over me or whatever, he's a King Saul. I should be in that position. Be careful. Because if you start cutting robes to get ahead, you're not ready for that position. Your heart isn't right. Now, if you do cut off a robe and then your heart troubles you, ah, ah, if your heart troubled you like David did, oh, okay, then you have a sensitivity to God's spirit that is a beautiful thing to have and watch this and something you never want to lose. If there's a sensitivity you have, if if, if, the, if you sense, oh, you know, my heart is oh, I, just a little bitterness. I'm a little upset, and a little anger, a little. And, and these sort of things start to bother you. See, now you got a sensitivity because watch this. In Second Corinthians 7, 1, it says cleansing us from all filthiness of the flesh 
and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Watch this. Cleansing us from all filthiness of the flesh. Those are those big things. Those big things of the flesh that, you know, God has given us victory. But watch this. But also cleansing us of not only of the flesh, but of the spirit. That's those internal things. Bitterness, hatred, malice, unforgiveness. All those. God wants to deal with those things, too. Not just the big things outwardly. And you look good outwardly to everyone. And you're looking good. But on the inside, you got all kind of you. You smiling. There, hey, how you doing, bro? <laughs> and on the inside, you like, I really can't stand you. <laughs> yeah. But see, God wants to deal with that, too. See, filthiness of the flesh, those things outwardly of the flesh, but of the spirit, those internal things, those temperamental things, those things that no one else can see but you and God. And your wife. <laughs> and God wants to deal with those things. We gain a sensitivity to God's spirit by spending lots of time in his presence in prayer and God's word. When we do, we will know what his voice sounds like. We will see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus is our example. You remember in um, in Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13 to 23, when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, what's the scuttlebutt out there? Who do men say that I am? They said, oh, some say Elijah, you know, one of the prophets, you know, he said, oh, that's cool. But but who do you say I am? You've been hanging with me a little while now, but who do you say I am? Oh, Peter. Yeah, you got to love that guy. Peter jumps up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And a little while later, Jesus said, I got to go to the cross now. Y'all understand. Yes, I'm the Christ, but I, I got to go to the cross. And they're like, huh? Yeah, I got I got I got to go to the cross. And Peter, you know, back up. You remember the father spoke through me. Back up. <laughs> Far be it from you, Lord. Shall never happen. And Jesus said, get behind me. Who? For you an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus was able to discern when he was speaking for God and when he was speaking Allowing Satan. Think about that. Think about how subtle that is. One minute speaking for God and thinking he's speaking for God again and was really a mouthpiece for Satan himself. That is scary. Because it, it wasn't like as soon as. He pushed him back and said, okay, far be it from you, Lord. It wasn't like all of a sudden before that happened, horns started growing and a red goatee and long johns came on. We we're like, oh, that's the devil. That's Satan right there. Said Peter's about to speak for Satan right there. We see it. No. And, and watch this. Listen to what he said. He just said, Far be it from you, Lord, going to the cross. That seems innocent. But that's the reason Jesus came to go to the cross. 
Satan will always encourage us to bypass the cross. He will always encourage us to take the easy route, not the way of the cross. Even though Jesus said to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But Satan will say, no, you don't need to, you don't need to deal with that cross stuff. See, so. Jesus was able to discern when his disciples were speaking for him and when they were speaking for Satan. That that's such a sensitivity to God's spirit that we all want, that we all need. And and this is what happened. This is what happened with David. David had a sensitivity to God's spirit, that when he just cut off a robe, something very innocent, and people would say, well, you know, he didn't take his head off like he did Goliath and walked around with it. No, he just cut his robe. Well, something innocent like that, but his heart bothered him. It, 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 it smote him. He had that kind of heart. See, in verse 6, David didn't, have a heart of revenge, but a heart for God. He told them, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing. Watch this to my master. He called him his master. And then here's the big one. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he's the Lord's anointed. Oh, this teaches us a couple of things. Number one, watch this. The Lord's anointed can behave very badly. Saul was the Lord's anointed. David said it. So those with God's anointing upon them can behave very badly. My name is Pastor Tony, and I can behave very badly sometimes. Oh, I'm just letting you know. You're no different than I am. You can sit there and look all... You're no different than I am. You behave very badly, too. All I got to do is ask your wives. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. And, and number two, this, this is the big one. This is the big Men, are y'all, are y'all ready for this? Number one, the Lord's anointed can behave very badly. Number two, I, I hope y'all ready for this. Are you ready for this? You strapped in? Okay, I hope you strapped in. It is not our job, number two, it is not our job to try to take him out. Lift our hand up against him, nor put your mouth on him in gossip and slander. God's leaders, you lead them in God's hands. Let me tell you something. He knows how to deal with us severely. Oh, please be mindful. Isaiah 54, 17, and we quote it all the time, but let me give some application to it. It says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but whenever you begin to speak against the Lord's anointed or those God has anointed to be over you, you have become a weapon formed against them and you won't prosper. And I think you need to hear that again. You need to hear that again. I'm telling you, no weapon formed against us or prosper. And we love to claim that. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. 
But when you begin to talk about those, God anointed over you and you put your mouth on them and gossip and slander, your weapon now formed against them. You won't prosper. And you're wondering why things are going down. You're wondering why stuff is not happening for you like it once did. It's because you have to ask yourself, am, am I, have I become a weapon formed against someone that God has anointed to be over me? You have to ask yourself this particular question. God, the Bible says you won't prosper. Oh, yes, David. You, many people say, oh, David was the Lord's anointed. But King Saul was still in the position. And see, here's the thing. Saul was also the human instrument God was using to get David ready for the position. David wasn't ready for it, even though he was anointed for it. He wasn't ready. See, we don't get to determine when our trial, when our fiery trial is over. David, you know, it could have been, okay, okay, guy, okay, I got you. David, Saul, been, he's been chasing me for months now. Yeah, I, I got it. I'm done. Okay, are we done now? No, no. We don't get to determine. The, the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 12, think it not strange, old King James, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. We don't get... The Bible said the testing of our faith being much more precious than gold, though it be tried by fire. See, the smelters, those who work with these types of things, they will put the metals into the fire. Your pastor probably has told you this. And he put it into the fire to liquefy it. The, the purpose is to burn off all the impurities of it. So when it, all the impurities are burned off, it's pure gold. Now, how does the smelter know when all the impurities are burnt off, when he can look inside of the pot and see his reflection? Then he knows that the process is done. The Lord will turn up the heat in our lives and send us through the fiery furnace, so to speak, and turn it up. And we're screaming, yeah, and he'll turn it up. Until all the impurities are burned out of our lives. So when he look into the pot of our heart, he can see his reflection reflecting back. And the process isn't done until the impurity is burnt off in that area, whatever that area is for you. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And just turn it up and I'm screaming. But he's trying to burn off those impurities. Because there's there's things, there's areas in our lives that are that are impure. And the only way to purify it is by fire. And we don't get to, and we don't get to say, God, turn it down. Man, it's hot. Turn me up. No. Not until he can look into that area that was once impure and see his reflection. Reflecting back. So David, even though he was anointed, Saul was anointed, too. And he was still in the position because David wasn't ready. Therefore, Saul was the human instrument to get David ready. And that's incredible there. Oh, I'm going to come back to 
to that. So David restrained his servants with these words and said, man, I can't kill the Lord's anointed. He said, how can I be innocent? Stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. So he didn't. And this is how our attitude should be when people come to us with gossip, slander and mess against the person God placed over us. Oh, boy. OK, OK. I got to after I say this, I got to make sure I can. I got a clear way out the door. Just OK. OK. This is how our attitude should be. When people come to us with gossip, slander, and mess over the people that God has anointed to be over us nationally, whether they sit in the White House, statewide, whether they sit in the governor's office, locally, whether they are mayor. Leadership, you can check it from 1 Peter chapter 2, Romans chapter 13, that God has ordained and anointed leadership to be over us. I love what one guy years ago, he's no longer living now, he's going to be with the Lord. He said, God places a mirror up to America every four years and gives them a leader that reflects them. Therefore, God has ordained no matter who sits in that White House, who sits in the governor's office, who sits in the mayor, the the school council, all that sort of stuff that Christians are yelling about. Let me tell you, when you begin to gossip and talk about. I would say the Lord's anointed because they've been ordained by God to be over us. Just know. That's nothing but trouble that we should do what David did. We should restrain them and to say, you know what? I've told many people, I guarantee you, if we pray for who sits in the White House or whatever house, if we pray for them as much as we talked about them, we might see revival. Just might. Because we do a whole lot of yapping, a lot of yapping. Y'all right next door to it. Y'all right next door to the White House. Y'all can look out y'all door and see the White House. Y'all that close. I'm down a couple hours down. But when we begin to put our mouth on the Lord's anointed, well, he ain't the Lord's anointed. Don't you read your Bible? You in a great Bible teaching church. So I already know what you're getting. You getting that verse by verse. Hey, he ain't skipping over Romans 13, 1 Peter 2. He ain't skipping over any of those. He ain't skipping over any of it. He's giving y'all thus saith the Lord. And when we begin, when people come to us, we should emulate David, who had a sensitivity to God's spirit and who was a man after God's own heart. And he restrained them. They told him, take his head off. And David said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I wonder how many people have you restrained that's come. Or have you been a part of the lynch mob to say, get him out of office, get him out of the whatever, get him out of the position, get him out. And you and you're part of the lynch mob saying, leave the church. You know, he, he said something I didn't like. Leave the job, leave the neighborhood. That's the neighbor over there. He's for so and so. You see the thing in this yard. He votes for so and so. So, hey. 
and you become a part of the lynch mob instead of being like David, a man after God's own heart who restrained this man, said, no, nah, dude, just, you can't you can't be about this. That's the Lord's anointed. He said, you can't touch him and, and not be guilty. It's impossible. And the same thing is true for us. We cannot touch those God ordained to be over us and be guiltless. Can't. We can't. And I just wonder, because I'll share it down in South Carolina. I shared, I said, look, after I finished sharing and the pastor got up, he said, uh, he said, Tony is right. We do more talk about politics than we do Jesus. And all Christians, now we're just known for what we're against. We're not known for what we're for. We're not known for the gospel and preaching the gospel. We're not doing that anymore. We're just yelling about politics and yelling about who's in office, who's out of office, and who should have been in office, who cheated to get in office. And we, we just, I'm just like, dude, get a church, get a hold of yourself. We have lost our way. As a church, Big C Church, we lost our way. And, and, and it breaks my heart. For, I, I see it, and it's so easy to get caught up in it. I mean, y'all, like I said, y'all right next door to all of it. And many of y'all work in the midst of it. God bless you. My heart goes out to you. You hear this stuff all the time, just nothing but yelling, just folks yelling. Ah! Yelling. About, I mean, you know, <laughs> When we get to heaven, man, hey, man, there was some good yelling about some politics down there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we yelled a whole lot. Yeah, we did too, you know. And, and we, we, we got to get a hold. You know, Leonard Ravenhill said something. He said, we are a sick church in a lost world. If we, uh, the church is the hope of the world. And if we've lost our way, then the world is hopeless. We have the only message, the only message that can cure the ultimate disease called sin. And we're yelling about politics and about a mask and a vaccine. Are we serious? Are we really serious? <laughs> I, I said this to our church. And, and people was real quiet when I said it. <laughs> I said, it's awful funny. You got folks yelling, yelling Christians, yelling, oh, no vaccine, yo, no vaccine. And they're yelling about it. But it's awful funny that as soon as they get COVID, they want every medicine known to man to get cured. Oxygen under the nose. Can you pray for me? I'm sick with COVID. Oh, oh, so now you want the medicine, all the medicine to get cured. But you you just yelling about a vaccine just a second ago. I will never take anything like that. But you taking everything known to man to get cured. Uh, I'll let y'all sit on that for a minute. I let y'all get sit on that. Because, see, y'all yelling about that. See, and some of y'all who are, I see you, you look at your face. <laughs> see, see, you, see you're, you're like that because, see, you, you, you caught up. 
you're caught up in the mess. Because as you'll give me every statistic about this and the vaccine and this and two years after getting it, you'll die and all this kind of mess. I'm going to say, how many verses do you know? Oh, you can quote every statistic and every doctor, uh, Dr. Jack. But do you know uh, John, Matthew and Luke? Uh, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. David restrained his people. And I just think it's time for us to restrain and get get our, as we used to say in the Marine Corps, get our bearings back. We lost our bearings. And we, we, we caught up in, in, in something that doesn't mean a hill of beans when it comes to eternity. It doesn't mean a hill of beans. We got to get back, folks. There's folks on Capitol Hill. There's folks in your neighborhood. There's folks around that need Jesus. And they don't need the latest stat on some vaccine. They need the gospel. That's what they need. That's what's going to save them. Oh, no, 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 the vaccine's going to save them. Get out of here. The gospel is what saved them. That's what they need, and we need to get back. Do, can, we, do, can we give our testimony? Do we even know how to give a testimony? This was my life before Christ. Christ came into my life. This is my life now that Christ is in it. Are we even, when was the last time we told somebody that? Well, we tell somebody the latest mask theory or vaccine and then got some aborted parts in it. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, it just caused me to just weak at the knees. I said, I cannot hear anymore. I can't hear it anymore. There's no aborted parts in nobody's vaccine. Stop. Stop. It's madness. Well, my research told me, and I got it from Dr. So-and-so, who's a, a well-renowned, well-renowned, uh, and I'm doing, as you tell me, I'm doing like this. I'm just sleep because it is about the gospel and you've lost your way. If you're angry right now, you lost your way. I'm here to tell you, you lost your way. I love you, but I'm here to tell you, I lost your way. You lost your way. And David restrained these people. And that's what we have to remember. Now, in verses 8 through 15, we see David let Saul know what happened in the cave. So David had to let him know because David's heart was bothering him. So he let him know what was going on in the cave. He said, look, I had a chance to kill you in verse 9. He said, why are you listening to these men who are saying to you, indeed, David seeks your harm. Now, the person you consider your enemy, think about that person. Evaluate why they're your enemy. Are, are, are you listening to the words of people who are lying, saying this person seeks your harm? You know what it reminds me of? For those of you, I can look around. Y'all, y'all remember this. You remember back in the 80s? Now, for those who are 30 and under, just Google this story. <laughs> back in the 80s, you remember the, the, the big rivalry between Bird and Magic? They, they, they drug that, the, the media drug that rivalry from their college, 79, Michigan State against Indiana State, and, and drug that into their careers into the NBA. They began to hate each other because the media just geeked it up and just, yeah, you guys hate each other, right? Yeah, come to think I hate him. And one day, they sat down off the court and had a meal together. And they laughed and talked about what the media did to them. And they became 
great friends to the point where one did the speech, the Hall of Fame speech for the other. And all because it was hyped up by the media and they found out, you know, they had a lot of things in common and stuff. And so to it, we can easily get hyped up by the social media. And we can get all hyped up in these memes and we just ah, we just start yelling again. And we just got to be careful. Don't get caught up in all of the mess that they had, you know, that the world has going on. We, we find ourselves, it's easy to get caught up. I remember in the early days, I got caught up in it. And I started going back and forth and folks on social media and you, and they say you, and I say you too. <laughs> and then I, I just had to catch myself. I said, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, you can't win this war. Oh, yes, I can. Because y'all got to understand, my background is apologetics, a defense of the Christian faith. I used to teach apologetics in our Bible college in California, and I was all about debate. I was all about, oh, so you want to debate? Oh, you're going to be up way past your bedtime. Let's go. And I just went. And then finally, I just had to say, what, 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 what are you doing? And so just recently, there was... Somebody almost drugged me in and I just, no, no, I, I had to resist because that's, you won't win that battle. That social media battle because you got some nerds in his mother's basement with a bunch of computers around pushing up his glasses, you know, and he's just blasting you, saying to you st- behind the screen what he'll never say to your face. Just a bunch of cowards. So, you know, and, and they just, you know, down there, you know, Johnny, yes, mom, give me a minute. And just blasting you. And I just, I just said, I had to stop. I had to stop with that kind of stuff. So, this is, this is how you know that your heart is right. Is when you can get your enemy back and you don't do it. And you don't do it. That's how you know. David could have got Saul back. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. That's how you know your heart is right. When your enemy is in your hands and you refuse to get him back. So so David goes on to say in verse 13 that wickedness proceeds from wickedness. And this proverb cut like a two edged sword. It pointed out David's righteousness, but at the same time pointed out the wickedness of King Saul. Then David said in verse 15, let the Lord be judge and judge between us and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hands. David was allowing the Lord to fight his battles. He said, the Lord sees and may he plead my cause. And this is hard for us to do, to allow the Lord to fight our battles. I don't know about you. I was trained in the Marine Corps to fight. And so it's easy for me to fight my own battles. Say, God. I'll call you for the big ones. Let me handle this. All right, put them up. And it's easy. But we have to allow the Lord to fight our battles like David is showing us. You know, David was relying on the Lord's power to fight his battles, but he was also relying on the Lord's timing for God to do it. Because sometimes I think God takes too long. I'm like, Lord, you taking a little too long. I need you to get them now. And, and it's, it's the Lord's timing. 
Now, I'm just going to go through verses 16 to 22. When David finished saying what he did to King Saul, verse 16 said that Saul said, is that you, my son, David? And he lifted up his voice and wept, which always is a sign of guilt. And, and he said, you are more righteous than I am in verse 17. And he, then he said, if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go safely? Showing that Saul wasn't David's enemy. David was Saul's enemy, but not the other way around. Then he acknowledged in verse 20 uh, that David would be king over Israel. And we saw this now. So often, let me let me just start wrapping it up with this. So often. Because it's on, it's, it's, it's almost taco time. Okay. <laughs> so often we pray, Lord, change me. I don't know about you. I, I pray these prayers. Lord, change me. Make me more like you. I want to be more like, I want to be more like Jesus. That, that's the ultimate goal of a Christian is to be more like Christ. So we pray that prayer, Lord, make me more like you. And, and so often we think that it will come through some anointed teacher on YouTube. Oh, I started listening to songs. OK, OK. But that's not that's not where it comes from or social media or some anointed author through a book. OK, I heard that this book was really good. Let me get this book and, and, and or some anointed friend. But don't miss this, God. This is the crux of the whole matter. But so often God will send us a Saul throwing spears at us, hunting us like a dog for no reason. Let me ask you this. Who is bringing you grief and throwing spears at you right now, either on the job or on social media? Whoever came to mind, whoever came to mind, watch this, is the Lord's anointed instrument from God. To work love, patience, kindness, and tenderness that we long for in our lives. There is no other way for God to change us sometimes but to bring us a soul. So the real question is, will you cut off his or her robe? Only we can answer this question Or will God, sometimes God will bring us, watch this, a Judas. Or, for those who know their Old Testament, or uh, a Hisophel. Someone to betray us. Someone close to us to betray us. Are you going to cut off their robe? And if so, does your heart smote you? Does your heart bother you? Smote, that's the old King James. Does it smote you? Does it bother you? It should. It should. Because this is what we're talking about here. David, as I conclude, David had a sensitivity to God's spirit that I know I long for. And the way that we get it is by spending lots of time in prayer. Because you'll know if friends are coming to you with a word from God or whether they're coming to you with a word from Satan. I'm telling you, the sensitive, that's the phone I told you about. (laughs) It never fails. Turn your phones off. Then all of a sudden somebody, oh, my phone would never go off. 
where are you? So I'm sensitive. But by spending time in God's presence, and you already heard uh, tomorrow you get some time, tonight you can get some time. So I'll kind of play, just watch out, make sure you don't walk off the pier, walk off the deck <laughs> in the water somewhere, you know. But just try to get along with God and just let this message marinate because there's more coming. God's will tomorrow. There's more. Don't worry. You just marinate on this because there's some more coming. And we want to be sensitive to his spirit like David was. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your loving kindness and tender mercies towards us. Thank you for giving us a sensitivity to your spirit. And dear God, I just pray, Lord, we we have gotten caught up in this season. This pandemic has caused us to. Just be caught up in a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter when it comes to eternity. Lord, forgive us.